Mike Vonnen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. I'm the Tolkien Geek. And last week I released a video about what would happen if Merry and Pippin did not go with the Fellowship but instead returned to the Shire. And originally when I made that video I didn't plan for there to be a part two. And then I realized after I finished it, wait a minute, I didn't cover a lot of stuff that I could have covered. Like what happens in the Fellowship itself without Merry and Pippin there, all I really covered was the Shire which is the main reason I wanted to make the video in the first place, because that's kind of the most natural thing to think about. And then after I finished the video, I was like, wait a minute, I've got a second video here, so I named it Part 1. So here's Part 2. And the fascinating thing about Part 2 is it connects with Part 1 in some ways. I've already talked about how some of what happens at Isengard and whatnot might have been different, and how that connects with the Shire, because those two things kind of interrelate a bit, because Saruman ends up in the Shire eventually. But there's a whole lot of other stuff that could radically change based on whether or not Pippin and Merry are in the party. And some of them are not so obvious and are rather interesting. So we're going to take a look and see what kind of changes to the story might have occurred if these two hobbits were not there and instead someone else from Elrond's household possibly had gone in their place. Now the first thing we have to think about is Moria, because of course the first thing that really happens significant involving either of the two hobbits is Pippin presumably waking up all the orcs and whatever that are in Moria to the fact that, hey, there's some strangers here that we ought to scare out. So of course Pippin unlike in the movie where he like twists an arrow and knocks a corpse's head off into a well, which makes a huge clattering noise, and immediately there's a swarm. What happens in the book is Pippin throws a stone into a well, and shortly after that they start hearing the sound of what appears to be a hammer, and they're not really sure what it means, but they don't like it, and it's only sometime later that they are found by orcs and whatnot. But we have to assume that Pippin's ill-advised attempt at Curing boredom was the reason why all this happened. Now, of course, if the company doesn't have to rush out, then presumably the Book of Mazarbul... Well, actually, I think Gimli might have been carrying that, so that doesn't really change. But certainly the one thing that does change is Gandalf doesn't die at the Bridge of Khazad-dûm. Well, he doesn't die at the Bridge of Khazad-dûm. He dies after falling from the bridge and fighting with the Balrog and making it to the peak and all of that stuff. So if Gandalf doesn't die... Does he then become Gandalf the White? Maybe. Maybe not. I mean, we could argue about that, but he at least remains with the party longer because certainly he's not going to have separated from them by falling who knows how deep into the pits of Moria. So he would have been with them potentially the whole time and therefore not have you know, missed out on Lothlorien, the trip down the river, Boromir's attack on... Frodo, you know, he might have headed that off. There's all kinds of implications of Gandalf not having left the party. And, I mean, that, that you could go off on that all day long just on one video, but I'm not going to go into that much detail here because we're focused on Merry and Pippin, and there's a lot more to cover. But certainly, merely the fact that Gandalf would have survived Moria has tons of implications. Now let's move further down the road. Another really interesting thing about Pippin and Merry, and this is the one that was a little bit surprising to me when I really thought about it, is if Pippin and Merry aren't in the party, perhaps Boromir survives. 
Boromir only dies because when Boromir comes back and tells the the rest of the company, I kind of tried to take the ring from Frodo and, yeah, he ran off and I don't know where he is. In the movie, of course, this plays out differently as well, but in the book, what happens is Aragorn, you know, chides him for this fact rather strongly, but all the rest of the party kind of panics and runs off into the woods trying to find him. And Merry and Pippin, of course, are among those people that do that. Aragorn then tells Boromir, you follow those two and make sure they don't come to any harm. And, you know, he goes off in his own direction after Sam and tries to do his own thing. But that's the reason why Boromir ends up defending Merry and Pippin from the Urukai and ends up getting killed. If Merry and Pippin aren't there, does Aragorn tell Boromir to go after whoever it is? Probably not, because whoever runs off is presumably going to be able to take care of themselves because it's going to be an elf from Elrond's household, perfectly capable of watching out for themselves and even in the wilderness. So if it's not Merry and Pippin, presumably Boromir doesn't run into this group of marauding Urukai and therefore doesn't have to sacrifice himself to save Merry and Pippin. So that also has massive implications, because now if Boromir survives and Merry and Pippin aren't taken captive, and we'll get to that in a minute too, because that has its own massive set of implications, if Boromir survives, then you know the rest of the trip for Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli might look radically different as well, because they don't have to go searching all across Rohan trying to catch up with Merry and Pippin, and they might head more directly to Minas Tirith, which is where Aragorn was wanting to go in the first place, because his road, as he tells Frodo after the Council of Elrond, when it's decided that Aragorn is going to be one of the members of the Fellowship, he says, yes, I am going to Minas Tirith, but, you know, with Boromir, and our road lies the same road as yours for a long way. Aragorn is mainly only worried about going with Frodo at this point in the story, because Gandalf has died, and now he feels a huge amount of responsibility for Frodo as the leader of the company. So, Aragorn probably doesn't then follow Frodo after this point. He probably just goes with Boromir straight to Minas Tirith, and engages in the wars there, which means he misses out on the Palantir, he misses out on, you know, all sorts of things, and this, again, you could do a whole video just analyzing those aspects of what changes if Boromir lives and Merry and Pippin don't get captured by Urukai. which now let's talk about some of that. Now the caveat here to my previous point is that, yeah, Boromir doesn't have to chase after Merry and Pippin to make sure they don't get into trouble because they're young and inexperienced and don't know where the heck they are. The caveat to that is if Merry and Pippin aren't there, the Urukai don't immediately find a couple of nice hobbits that they're looking for in case they're carrying something really important to whoever their master is. Now, there's multiple layers to this in the book, because in the book, they run into orcs from Moria, Urukai from Isengard, and some Mordor orcs. And it's not clear when they all converge, but certainly it's the Urukai that take Merry and Pippin captive, and they do so because they are under orders to capture halflings and bring them back alive to Isengard. The Moria orcs are really more interested in just getting revenge for what just happened in Moria. They, As they say, you know, in a lot of the conversation that Merry and Pippin over here, you know, we came from the mountains to kill and we wish to kill and go back. And the, the Urukai are like, no, nah, you're coming along with us, you little 
squealers. Um, that's not the word he uses, but I forget what it is. He basically is denigrating them and calling them tiny, puny weaklings. Um, the Mordor orcs are also on the lookout for halflings, and that is why Grishnach and Ugluk have a lot of tension between them. Grishnach will eventually leave with his Mordor orcs and then come back and rejoin the group because he's not trying to leave you know, them behind because he knows that there's something potentially important there too. But the important point here is if the Urukai don't immediately find Merry and Pippin, they probably don't immediately turn around and hightail it back to Isengard either, which means maybe the entire company ends up you know, enmeshed in fighting with orcs. Aragorn never fights the orcs in the books. He never does. He hears the sounds of battle. Legolas and Gimli have been hunting orcs in the woods, so they have encountered some of them. But it's not the massive thing like we get in the movie where, like, everybody gets enmeshed in a fight with orcs in some way or another. And, you know, really Frodo and Sam are the only ones that don't. And Frodo almost does because Merry and Pippin kind of shoo the... I mean, not shoo, but, like, uh, get the attention of the Urukai and draw them away from Frodo. Frodo never comes close to orcs in the movie, in one, I mean in the book, in one form or another, at all. doesn't matter which batch of orcs. He evades them all together, so does Sam. Aragorn evades them all together. Not evades, really. He's not even trying. He, he actually tries to find them, but then he's too late. Boromir encounters them because he's going after Merry and Pippin. So if Merry and Pippin aren't there, and the Urukai don't spot them and then go, Ha-ha, we've got what we were looking for. Do they keep looking? Do they find Aragorn? Do they keep looking until they find Frodo and Sam? You know, I mean, maybe they don't ever find Frodo and Sam, but if they keep looking, potentially the entire fellowship ends up enmeshed in a big, huge fight with Moria orcs, Uruk-hai, Mordor orcs. I mean, the whole shebang. Potentially, they all even get killed, although, of course, that would be a bad end to the story. But... The, the the interesting thing here is the fact that Merry and Pippin's presence is precisely why the orcs come in, do a little bit of damage, and then they're out. Because they've got what they were looking for. So that's really interesting. Now, I already touched on, of course, the other aspect, which is Merry and Pippin in Fingorn and how that affects the battle at Helm's Deep and Isengard and all this other stuff. Some people commented in my previous video that the Battle of Helm's Deep probably would have been won anyway, even without the Huorns showing up. And maybe that's true. I, I have to say, that is a possibility, because the Urukai were already, you know, in fear of the King and Erkenbrand and Gandalf showing up with a bunch of reinforcements. The, the, the reason I kind of wonder, though, about that is there's still a huge army of Urukai, and even though there's a lot of cavalry coming at them, there's still a relatively small number, and the Urukai are still a really big army. So if that forest of Huorns isn't there to swallow them all up, they might eventually turn and fight back, and therefore, you know, cause a lot more damage, even if not win the battle ultimately. But of course, the other thing about all of it is, if the Ents don't get involved because of Merry and Pippin, they might eventually get involved, but it'd probably be later, and therefore Isengard remains a much thornier problem until the Ents get involved. So Merry and Pippin being there in Fangorn, because they have been hauled there by Urukai way fast, is probably part of the reason why the Ents get involved as soon as they do, which makes it much more easy then 
for Rohan to turn its attention eastward towards Gondor and Mordor. So after all of the Isengard business, the next major point that comes up is again Pippin. One of the interesting themes about this video is if Merry and Pippin aren't there, most of the changes are due to Pippin, which is kind of ironic because it's precisely Pippin that Elrond was worried about. He's like, I especially think the youngest of these two should hightail it back to the Shire, guys. Um, and it's actually Pippin's presence that seems to matter more than Merry's. I mean, if you got one or the other, a lot of these things kind of shake out the same way regardless. But if you had to choose one or the other, Pippin seems to have the most significant impact. And here we get another big one, because if Pippin is not present, he doesn't peek at the Palantir and get enmeshed in a contest of wills, sort of, with Sauron, which is another big thing in the book, because in the way the book plays out, Pippin doesn't see that Mordor is going to be attacking Gondor. That's kind of a given. Everybody knows that's going to happen. That was kind of an unnecessary plot point in the movie. What he does do by doing this is alert Sauron to the fact that, well, he, Sauron presumes Saruman has a halfling in his possession and therefore presumably the ring itself, which means Sauron is now worried about Saruman having the ring, and that's why he tells him in the book, this dainty is not for him, meaning Saruman, and the dainty is presumably the ring, or at least a halfling. So there's an element of that there too, but more significantly even than that, Pippin reveals what the Palantir is to Gandalf. Gandalf admits later on, I wasn't sure what this thing was, and I had ideas of testing it myself, and then, you know, he's talking about this and saying, if I had done that, what might have happened to me? But now, of course, he knows what it is because what Pippin has done, and now he knows what to do with it. So the interesting thing there is, you know, if Pippin hadn't done what he did, Gandalf might have revealed himself to Sauron in a bad way. He might have also, you know, caused other kinds of damage just by using it. And if he doesn't know what it is and he doesn't test it, he doesn't know to give it to Aragorn as the heir of Isildur, who is the rightful owner of the stone. Aragorn, in the book, of course, uses the stone at Helm's Deep to determine oh wait, there's a fleet of Corsairs coming up the river and we need to hightail it down there and that's why I'm going to take the Pads of the Dead. That doesn't happen in the movie. Again, they kind of mess up the plot here because of all this, although it doesn't hurt as much in, in the way that, you know, like why did Pippin need to look in the stone for them to know that it was going to be Gondor under attack? That's not quite as big of a deal. But in the book, it's precisely his knowledge that he gains from the Palantir that leads him to take the Pads of the Dead which leads him to defeat the Corsairs with the Army of the Dead. And so without that, the whole battle for Minas Tirith probably turns out differently because it's him showing up with the sh Corsair ships but not being the Corsairs that really turns the tide of that battle, even without the Army of the Dead in the books. So there's all kinds of effects, potentially, of Pippin not even looking at the Palantir because Gandalf doesn't know what it is, might test it, even if he doesn't test it, that means he might not give it to Aragorn, who then might not know where to go. And a final element of this is if Aragorn doesn't use the Palantir and reveal himself to Sauron, does Sauron attack when he does? Because part of the reason, theoretically, that Sauron attacks as soon as he does, before he's really ready, is because he's like, oh man, the heir of Isildur is still out there. I've got to crush this guy. And so what Aragorn tells, you know, some of the 
I think it's Legolas and Gimli who are like, won't that make him, like, really push now? And he's like, yes, but the hasty stroke goes off to stray. And theoretically, it's because he attacks too soon that he doesn't actually conquer Minas Tirith. And because of that, if he do, if he holds back and waits, there's a whole lot more orcs still in Mordor. And if there's a whole lot more orcs still in Mordor, and the the Witch King hasn't set out with his army from Minas Morgul, when Frodo gets captured, he's probably immediately taken by Nazgul straight to the Black Tower. I mean, the Dark Tower. That's just, that's almost certain. Now, Sam would still have the ring, unless, of course, there's enough orcs there that they don't even get far enough to get attacked by Shelob. I mean, that's a possibility, too. But, you know, Sam may end up with the ring, but Frodo is probably toast, and you probably don't have the orcs' parties from Kirith Ungol and Minas Morgul, the scouting parties, killing each other, allowing Sam to get in. So Frodo is probably beyond rescue and possibly not even, you know, present in the Tower of Kirith Ungol because there's already a Nazgul present to decide, hey, here's what we got to do with this guy. Because the reason they haven't done anything with him in the book at the time is because they're waiting for word from somebody higher up in command. So Aragorn not using the Palantir even affects Frodo's end of the story. And now the final point that we get to is again Pippin. And, well, there's also some Mary thrown in here as well, and I know you know what I'm talking about because it's the Witch King, right? But Pippin's end of this is also very important, and his actually kind of overrides Mary's in a way. A lot of people were commenting in my previous video, if Mary's not there, he doesn't stab the Witch King from behind and save Eowyn, who then kills the Witch King. True. The problem is, the reason that the Witch King is out there doing what he's doing is because Pippin stopped Gandalf from following him by coming down and saying, he's about to burn Faramir alive, meaning Denethor, of course. Um, so when Pippin comes down, Pippin saves Faramir's life, but in doing so, prevents Gandalf from following the Witch King to make sure that he doesn't do something evil. And Gandalf actually remarks on this later on in the story, saying, well, not later, I think it's actually at the time, he says, fine, I'll come help, but evil things are going to happen because I have been, you know, detained from following him. And, of course, what that is, is Theoden gets killed, Eowyn gets her arm broken and almost killed, and Mary also gets the Black Breath. So, I mean, lots of bad things happen because of the Witch King getting away, which Gandalf might have prevented if he had not had to go back and save Faramir. But if Pippin isn't there... Nobody is going to warn Gandalf, because nobody knows except the people who are blindly following Denethor's crazy orders. So, Pippin, his presence is the reason that Merry needs to intervene in the first place, ironically enough. So yes, Merry's role is important here, but Merry's role is actually, ironically, only important because of Pippin's role on the other side of the battlefield. How funny is that? So, again, no Merry and Pippin? Probably all of this goes totally different. Faramir burns alive because Denethor murders him. Gandalf follows the Witch King and has an epic duel with him instead of having the Witch King kill Theoden and having a fight with Eowyn. So everything goes completely different, and it's all because a couple of hobbits aren't present for all of this stuff. So that's my rundown of the non-Shire-related changes to the story that would have happened if Merry and Pippin had not gone with the Fellowship. If you think I missed anything, please do leave a comment in the comments below, because 
I'm pretty sure I covered everything, but, you know, it's a long, complex story. I might have forgot something. And if you have different theories about ways that the changes might have gone than what I've had, please also leave those in the comments below as well. Please also, of course, like and share the video. Subscribe and click the bell icon to get all the notifications. Follow me at Twitter at JRRTLore for occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions. And you can catch me on Rumble and Odyssey and podcasts. And, of course, you can support me over at Patreon. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariye.